Well, today, we're going to start a new series. Starting a new series entitled Rooted. Everybody say Rooted. Rooted. Say it again. Rooted. I like the way it comes out. Rooted. 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 We're going to start kind of like Rudy, but it's not Rooted, all right? We're starting Rooted. Rooted today where we're going to walk through the book of Ephesians. I love this book of Ephesians. We're going to walk through the book of Ephesians, and we're going to walk through it line by line, word by word, text by text. We're going to, so to say, I like to say this, we're going to milk the text dry. We'll milk it dry. And for you Bible thumpers in here, that means we're going to expose the text. We're going to exposit the text by using nothing but the text. All right? We're going to use the word of God to expose what he's actually saying. But today, I'm not only, I'm not going to necessarily preach like I do each week where I'm going line by line, text by text, what you're going to do here in the weeks to come. But I want to sort of lay out a road map. I want to map quest, you know, Ephesians this morning. I want to, I want to walk through this and lay out the, the book for you as we go through this. So this is going to kind of feel like a uh, introduction class, intro class. It's, it's kind of like that syllabus day in school. Everybody likes syllabus day. You don't get any homework. You just like coming in, it's half a day instead of a full day. Some of y'all hate syllabus day because it's boring. But today is not going to be boring, all right? So don't none of y'all try to fall asleep in here. I got my paper bag on deck, all right? Y'all know when the teacher pops it next to your head, that's what's going to happen. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> now, we're going to walk through Ephesians, and it's, I'm looking forward to it. So if you got a Bible, meet me in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, verses 4 through 5 for the reading of God's word. We're going to use these two verses as uh, something like a thesis statement this morning. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. Once you've got it, I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet if you're able. <clears throat> if you got it, I want you to say got it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, and the text reads, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Very words of God. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to preach on the topic, Rooted. Rooted. Let's pray really quickly. Father God, thank you so much for this time. God, I just pray simply that you would hide me behind your cross and that you be lifted up in this moment. Let your word go forth and fall afresh from your people. Let it not be me speaking, but you speaking in and through me, God. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We all said together, amen. Amen. Now, the reason I chose to walk through the book of Ephesians is not only because I love this book, but if you look at the book of Ephesians, it's perfectly split into two different parts. You take the first three chapters of Ephesians and it talks about the fact of who we're rooted in, what we're rooted in, and then you take the last three chapters, chapters four through six, and it talks about the fact that now that we know that we're rooted in, in Jesus, that we know who we're rooted in, now we have to live from that. So we live from those roots. So we're talking about who we're rooted in, now living from those roots. It's two different things. It's very distinct in through, in through the book of uh, Ephesians, as you'll see as we walk through it. Hence the title of it, Rooted. Rooted. Because here's the thing. As we walk through this, there's, there's, there's all of us in here. We're all rooted in something or someone. There's something we're rooted in, and that something or someone dictates or drives the way we do everything in our lives. The question we must answer is, who or what are we truly rooted in? 
Is it Jesus or something or someone else? That's what I want you to ponder, that question. Who or what are you truly rooted in? Is it Jesus or something or someone else as we walk through this series? Now, this concept of being rooted is very important. It's very important, especially in our world today, because there are many things that we can be rooted in. We can try to find our identity in, and we can become attached to these things, and they, they, they tend to define us. See, these, these things we find our identity, we, we, they're defining us. And, and one of these things can be, and this one can be a hard one to reconcile and really just admit is this need for or the sense of this personal or earned or, or, or civil rights. Now, what do I mean? What do I mean by this? In America, land of the free, the biggest battle that we face, a lot of the biggest battles that we face or, or we fight for, people fight for, are their rights. Rights, whether that be because you've worked hard for something, it'd be a civil right, it'd be this issue of fairness or entitlement, we fight for our rights, right? Now, now hear me, before y'all tune me out and start thinking I'm going to talk about something else, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you you shouldn't fight for your rights. We should. I, I'm not here to say that there shouldn't be a sense of equality among, amongst rights. I, I'm not saying that, so don't tune me out. Listen to me. You guys with me? Yeah. See, what I'm getting at is that there's this innate feeling in us. There's this innate feeling in each one of us that we, we have this right to something. We have this right to something or, or we deserve something. And see, this thought process starts really young. Starts really young. See, just the other day I was taking my kids to school and my second eldest daughter, Eliana, was in the car. And Ellie, she's my jokester. She likes to, to make fun of people and all these other things. And she's in the car. She's like, Daddy, I'm going to Johnny's Ice House. And I'm like, what's that? She's like, Johnny's, y'all know what Johnny's Ice House is? Johnny's Ice House is an is a ice rink where, where the Blackhawks used to uh, practice now it's also public for people to come in and out so she's going to Johnny's ice house on a field trip to play broom ball now I ain't know what that was I ain't grow up playing broom ball and I still don't get the concept of getting on the ice with my shoes on with a broom hitting the ball back and forth it, that ain't the way I did it you know but 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 we're taking this whole multi-ethnic thing to a whole nother level all right <laughs> broom ball that's what that's what she was doing and as they're in the car together my, my daughters are talking about going on this field trip, and, and Ellie's like, I'm going to play broom ball. And Ramiah's like, Daddy, Daddy, it's just not fair. And Ramiah's the oldest, and I'm like, what's not fair? I know you. I, in my mind, I'm like, I know you're not talking about broom ball. I mean, for real? And, and, and then at the same time, I'm like, you just went on this trip when you were her age. I know you're not talking about this, but sure enough, she's talking about playing broom ball. See, because in her mind... She's not thinking about the facts that she, that she did this in kindergarten too. She, she's thinking, I've been a good girl too, daddy. I've done well. See, I deserve to go to the ice skating rink too. See, see, that's what she's thinking. See, the issue of her rights and fairness has trumped the fact that she already had done this trip before. And the problem is she didn't even want to go on the trip until Ellie started putting it in her face. You see, the idea of our right, it sometimes drives us even when we don't even want to do something. I mean, be honest. You ever worked hard for something and you didn't even really want to do it? You just wanted to do it just to say you did it? I mean, some of y'all in here run marathons. 
Will Lumpkin used to go to this church, love that dude, awesome dude. He about big as me, talking about, man, I'm about to run another marathon. I'm like, what is wrong with you? We play football. He's like, I'm gonna run a marathon just to say I did it. And I'm like, you crazy, but you go ahead and do it. Some of us go to school and we, we're just, we want to get another plaque on the wall. I got another degree. You ain't even trying to advance in your professional field. You just, I just want another degree. You're your professional student just because you want to do it. Okay, better yet, some of y'all not going with me on this. But some of, back in the day, there was guys that, as a guy, used to just want to get numbers. Be honest, fellas in here. You used to go around and you try to get every female's number that you could, and it wasn't just, it wasn't even to call them. You just wanted to tell your boys, I got more numbers than you did. Just because you didn't. Now, women, y'all ain't laughing. We were young and stupid, and some of us are still young and stupid. It's okay. <laughs> Forgive us. But you see where I'm going with this. You see, this, this right, this will to get something it is what drives us a lot of times. This is what drives us to do things. Okay, some of y'all still not getting it. So back in the day, there was this commercial, it was a Gatorade commercial with Michael Jordan and Mia Hamm. Y'all remember that commercial? Some of y'all are old enough to remember that in the 90s? No? Okay. It, back, it, it was this commercial came out, and Michael Jordan, best basketball player arguably who's ever stepped on a basketball court, and then you got Mia Hamm who is this, this phenom soccer player. She's an Olympic athlete. And they're in this commercial, and in the background of the commercial, as they're on, in the commercial, is this, this, this song that says, anything you can do, I can do better. No, you can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. It's all over the commercial. And they're competing with one another in different arenas of, of sport, going back and forth. And what they're trying to get at is that if you work hard enough, don't let anything stop you from getting what you want. You can work hard. You can make it happen. You can accomplish it. You can compete. You can do all these things. Men can do what women do. Women can do what men do. All these things are happening. And, 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 and if you could do something, I can do it way better than you. And if you really think about it, if you look at the people in the commercial, Mia Hamm and Michael Jordan, this doesn't even make sense at all. I mean, Mia Hamm with her five foot nothing self couldn't even try, she can't even touch the net. Michael Jordan could jump from the free throw line. But then you put him on a soccer field, this brother probably break his leg trying to kick a ball. I hurt myself doing that. You know, see, he, 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 he couldn't even kick a ball. Six foot six, slender is all get out, he can't even kick a ball. See, the commercial makes no sense, but you see the subliminal message that they're trying to relay through this commercial is that if you work hard enough, you can achieve. You can make it, and, and in turn, this sadly leaves us with this false ideology of if I work hard enough or if I'm a good person, not only can I do anything, but here it is, watch this. This is how deep it gets. I now have the right to something. So now not only can I do anything, but I deserve to be able to do anything. It's deep, isn't it? See, and you may be sitting there saying, well, Pastor D, that, that's it. that is true in certain things. I work hard at my job. I should get this. Hear me, okay. This can work some places, but this ideology, there's one place that does not work, and that's when you come face to face with an almighty God. See, the proper response when we come face to face with the holy God is not I, I can do it, I can make it happen. It's I've tried to do it. I've tried all I could and I could not do it. But I'm thankful for a God who goes before me and he fights my battles for me. I got one person with me. You see, I don't, 
here's the truth. We don't have to work for our salvation. He's done all the work for us. We don't have to work for approval. We we work from approval. There's a big difference there. He, He saw us as worthy and stepped out of heaven and died for us. So now we work from approval because he already loved us. You see where I'm going with this? See, but the problem is, is that this ideology of if I work hard enough and I, I, I can achieve or I, I deserve something is now deeply ingrained in us. And hear me, because here's the problem. Here is the problem. We now think that in turn, because of that ideology, is that, that, that God is now obliged to ensure that I have a happy life. Or, or that he should forgive me. If I do anything wrong, therefore, I can do whatever I want in this life. And as long as I believe in Jesus, I can live independently. I can do it all. I do whatever I want. And and, and see what's happening here is now we're taking advantage of the grace of God, his goodness. And friends, when you look at the Bible, you read Ephesians as we get into it. This is the total opposite message of what's happening here in the text. That's the total opposite message of the whole Bible. And that's, not, and that's what Paul's really trying to convey right here in the scripture. He's saying in this letter, nothing that we have, nothing we get to do is because we have the right to it. No, it's because of the grace of God. Your house, your car, your family, your spouse, your job, you name it. Go on down the line. Anything that you have, anything that you're able to do is because of the grace of God. You see, the message of Ephesians destroys this American dream narrative of if you work hard enough, you can get it, or because what you have done, you deserve it now. And see, here's the thing, if we're truthful this morning, here's the problem, here's the truth. Many of us carry this logic. Let me work hard, and I get to play hard. If I'm going to do good, and because of that, I I get to receive good. But hear me. The quicker we're able to get away from this logic, the freer and the happier we'll be because that logic does not always work. I mean, sometimes you can work your tail off. Go hard in the pain, as they like to say. You do all the work you you need to do, and then at the end of the day, you don't get that raise. You don't get the job that you thought you deserved. You you don't get what you deserved at the end of the day. I mean, you could be the nicest person in the world, do everything good to people, and then still be treated like trash at the end of the day. Treated like mess. You see how this ideology doesn't work? You see, this ideology of having certain rights or deserving something is false, and it will fail you over and over and over again, and it's going to leave you being a miserable person at the end of the day. But on the other side, when we're able to operate from a place of understanding that it's by God's grace that we have anything or we're able to do anything, then there's a sense of freedom. 
There's there's a sense of thankfulness because you didn't do anything to gain his grace. You didn't do anything to warrant his grace. And if you didn't do anything to get it, family, there's freedom to operate in this life. There's freedom to operate in your gifting, your job, whatever it may be, because you didn't do anything to work to get it. Hear me, family. If you didn't do anything to work to get that grace, family, there's nothing that you can do to lose it. Hence, as we get into Ephesians, that's what you're going to see here. And what I'm really getting at is that there's nothing that you can do by the work of your hands to work your way into the kingdom of God. And if you can't work your way into the kingdom of God, if that's not up to you getting in there, if that's not the way you're saved, family, if it's only saved by God's grace, you didn't work your way in it, then you can't work your way out of it by what you do. It's his grace. That's how good he is. See, some of y'all still missing it, but this is why I'm so excited to get into this book. Because Paul is writing this letter, and he's speaking directly to the people of Ephesus, but he's really, I really think he's speaking directly to Chicagoans, too. I mean, we work hard. We work really hard in Chicago. And then on the opposite side, we think we deserve to play hard, too. And he's saying... He's saying to us, he's saying, listen, the way you do life is backwards. You don't have to work hard to achieve happiness or have a right. He says, first understand what Christ did for you. Understand what he did on your behalf and how he worked hard for you to save you. And then you work from that understanding, knowing that the burden of life and everything that comes with it is not all on your shoulders. And I don't know about you, family, but that gives me freedom. And when I understand that there's freedom there, look look at what Paul says in Ephesians again, chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. Look at these words again. Let him marinate on him. He says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, dead, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, this is Paul's fundamental message in the book of of Ephesians by grace we have been saved and it's in that understanding that we're able to live and do life from it See, there's a big difference from working for something we're working from something working from approval not for approval there's freedom in that there's security in that see Paul is basically saying throughout this letter as you'll see shortly that that the only right that we had is a right to death because of our sin, but because of God's grace and his great love towards us, do I believe we have life, we're saved. And see, then we turn and we live from that understanding. Hence, the first three chapters, I'm going to keep saying this over and over again because I want you guys to know this, is that in the book, it's going to focus the first three chapters on how God has united, how God has reconciled everyone, all of us, back to him, how he does that. And then, in turn, we live from that. We live from understanding what he did. So it's flipping uh, our Chicago way on its head and saying, no, no, let me, let me show you what you really, how it really works. Split in two different places. So it's the first three chapters, how we're, li- how we're saved, who we're rooted in, and the last three chapters is how we live out those roots. 
See, the book of Ephesians, I believe, is one of the most integral books in the Bible. Uh, it, it's, it, it just perfectly talks about and, and lets us know it, it, what Christianity is all about in just six chapters. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some jam-packed six chapters with some really good nuggets. We're going to get into all of that as we walk through this book until the summer. We're going to be in this in a, for a minute. So with that, if you don't have a Bible in here, I want, to, I want to get a Bible in your hands. We have Bibles out on the info table. So if you don't have a Bible, do not leave this place without a Bible. I want you to have that Bible because I want you to highlight through it. I also want you to, to journal all throughout it or on your new notepad. I want, this, I want the Word of God to really just, I want you to marinate in it and, and just let it change your heart as it's changing our church and doing the work here in our church. So don't leave this place without a Bible today. Now, just a couple quick cliff notes of the book of Ephesians and, and notes about the context that I really want you guys to know as we're walking through this today. Uh, before we leave, the book of Ephesians is written uh, by the Apostle Paul. This is when he's in prison, so it's towards the end of his life. He's in chains in prison, and the purpose of this book was to provide general instructional understanding of what Christ did on behalf of the church. Hence, he's saved by grace, chosen in Christ Jesus alone. God loved, God gave, we believe, we live. There you go. We live forever. See, then he takes the last three chapters of this book, and he starts in chapter 4, and you're going to notice a shift in chapter 4. He, he marks this shift by the word therefore. Look at it with me in verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. See, basically, Paul is transitioning from what or who we are rooted in, which is the grace of Jesus Christ. We're saved by God's grace and we've brought nothing to the table. It's only God's work on our behalf. But then here he shifts that whole thing and he says, but now that you know that, now that you know who you're rooted in, who's truly saved you, this is how you should live. He talks about a lot of different things, but he talks to the people in the book, and he says to the people of Ephesus, you're in a diverse culture. There's a diverse people group there, and there should be unity amongst the body of Christ. And he talks about proper conduct in the church and proper conduct in the home, dealing with men and, and wives and, and their kids and the conduct in the world. He, he gets at this fact that unity and love and peace are the marks of believers, and one commentator says it this way. I love the way he said it. He says, unity and love is the bond of peace. And the bond of peace marks the work of the Savior as well as Christians' grateful response to his free grace in their lives. It's their grateful response to his grace. Again, it's that idea of working from what we're rooted in, not vice versa. So again, Paul is very simply saying, this is who you're rooted in. Jesus, this is who you're rooted in. Now that you know that, go live in accordance with that knowledge. Let, let, let that knowledge drive your life. Now, as I studied, I asked the question, as I'm looking at this text, why would Paul make it his mission to make this message so clear to the people of Ephesus? I mean, this is different than any book. Why, why is he making it so clear that this is how you're saved, this is who Jesus is, and, and, and then this is how you should live it out? Why is he making it so clear? And perhaps you're asking that same question. And here's why he would do that. Ephesus was a very important port city on the west coast of Asia. Goods came from all over the world to this place. 
which meant that there were all different types of nationalities and people groups, kind of, it's kind of like Chicago. Great port city right here in the Midwest, people coming from all over the place and different people bringing everything with them. See, people came to Ephesus. They stayed for a while and, and then they left and they went to all different parts of the world. So Paul's like, if I can get the gospel here in Ephesus, then I could, I could actually hit the whole, whole, all of Asia. And then I could also touch the rest of the world, which happened. But here's why he makes it very simple. You see, with a great amount of diversity, money, goods, et cetera, comes a lot of different beliefs. A lot of different beliefs and reason why people are in the city. For instance, Ephesus was the home to great, the great temple of Artemis. Anybody heard of Artemis? See, the great temple of Artemis was in Ephesus, which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. See, Artemis was said to be the daughter of Zeus. She was also said to be the twin sister of the god Apollos. She's the goddess of hunting and wildlife, chastity, childbirth, and, and the protector of young girls. Now, I know some of y'all are like, why in the world are we talking about goddesses and goddess in church? Don't tune it out. This is very important to know. Because many people in that day worshipped her. Even Christians, they worshipped her. I mean, you think about all the things I just said. There wasn't anything bad about what she's the god of. I mean, I mean who doesn't like a god, a goddess that loves, uh, this, this, that I want to I make sure the, the animals are sacred. We love on the animals. And at the same time, she's like, I care about young girls and their virginity. I mean, who doesn't love a god? Who doesn't love that? I mean, how is that not Christian? I mean, if she was in Chicago, we'd have even more doggy daycares around here. For real, like who, who doesn't love this? I mean, it, how is that not Christian? But, but here's the thing. You see, you, there's a big difference here because you still had to work for her approval. You still had to work for her to, to love you, to, to, to gain her approval. There's a big difference there. You see, sometimes young adolescent girls, young girls, 10, 11, they, they would go stay in her temple for at least a year, and they would work trying to gain her approval. They would work in her temple. This goddess who they never see in her temple, worship her statue, they would be there for at least a year. I mean, she was the, the principal deity in the land. In fact, she was so praised and worshipped that if you flip to Acts chapter 19, you see Paul, when he actually enters Ephesus, he comes in and, and he's preaching up a storm. He, he's sharing the gospel all throughout Asia for about two years. Churches are being started. People are falling in love with Jesus left and right. And this sounds awesome. But some of the people in Ephesus didn't like this. They were getting upset at the fact that this was happening. This was problematic. And to the point that as, my, as Paul's walking through, because my, my man Paul, he's bold as all get out. I love him. He, he's walking through. He's like, man, God, God's made with hands. They're not gods at all. And they, they're worshiping statues. He's like, they're not gods at all. And my man Demetrius, dude from Ephesus, comes around and he says, he's upset because he's a silversmith. This is all in Acts chapter 19. He's a silversmith. So he makes silver shrines of this goddess Artemis and he's noticing that 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 people are not loving her anymore because nobody's buying his stuff so, so he's losing money so he gets upset so my man incites a riot he gathers people together and he's like 
hey, he's preaching a false gospel. He's turning everybody away from the true God, Artemis. See, see, he's telling people this is problematic, and people join this. I mean, they went from loving Jesus to joining him. They're flip-flopping back and forth, and now you have people screaming, great is Artemis of Ephesians, great is Artemis of Ephesians. Hear me. Family, this worship ran really deep. This worship, these different beliefs, these new believers that it flip-flopping back and forth. Ran really deep. And my man Demetrius, he doesn't even care about Artemis. He's just concerned about losing his money. <coughs> See, God started messing with his mess and he didn't want anything to do with it. See, see, it ran really deep. So, so Paul has to write this letter to all these new believers from diverse backgrounds, reminding them, this is the truth. This is the truth. You're saved by God's grace and his love. And out of that, this is how you shall live. Hear me, he's writing again to a diverse people group, all different types of people coming together, and they have all these different views, different beliefs, and he has to keep it very basic, very simple and plain when he writes it. That's why he writes it the way that he's writing it. There's no guessing in what he's writing. But here's what we must not miss in all of this. This is why this is important to us. See, just like the people of Ephesus, the people that, that were there, that they were very quick to forget who God is and what he's done in them, and they jump in there and they join this riot. We live in Chicago, the great power of the Midwest, third largest city in America, one of the most diverse places in all of the world. People are coming together from all over the place, different beliefs, different backgrounds, all to this city. And here's the thing, if we're not constantly reminded or told of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we can too flip the script and make God out to be something he's never supposed to be. Or we could be just like Demetrius, and once God starts messing with our little world and the things that we want to do, like, I'm cool off, I don't want anything to do with Christianity, and I'm taking my gang with me. So again, the purpose of us walking through the study of Ephesians is so that we can understand what it means to be rooted deeply in Christ. Our identity, who he says we are, what God believes about us instead of what others say about us or what we feel is true. And for those of us that believe in here, the second part of this, while we're walking through Ephesians, is so that we can begin to walk out those roots in this world. Family, hear me. I, too, just like Paul, I want to break the gospel down and give it to you simple and very plainly so that you're equipped in Jesus to live this life out as he's called you to live it outside of these doors in the city. Amen? Let me, let me end with this. How many of you all have kids in here? Don't be ashamed you got kids. Raise your hand. I, I love them too. They get on the nerves. I get it. We still love them, right? You got kids. And I have four beautiful daughters. I love them with every ounce of me, and I'm about to have a little man, so y'all pray for me. Y'all thank you for praying for me. He's coming, but keep praying for me because I have no idea. I never raised a son, so we'll see what happens here. So God have grace. It's going to be a good time, but we're looking forward to that. But y'all, I love my daughters, all four of them. 
Yesterday, we, had a, we made a snowman with a little bit of snow we had, and then we had a snowball fight. Yeah, I love snowball fights because I get to demolish them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Pastor D's mean just No, they love every second of it. Snow all up in their face and everything. I loved every moment. I love my daughters, and they love their daddy. But, but here's the truth. One day, my daughters are going to leave my house. They're going to be gone, and, 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 and before they leave, I want to give them everything that I have. I want to teach them everything that I know. I want them to know that their father loves them and that they don't have to find love anywhere else. I, I want to teach them how a man should love them and care for them. I, I want them to know that they're, they're beautiful and intelligent. I want, to, I want to teach them that they, that how to be confident, how to, how to lead. I want to most of all teach them how much Jesus has done for them and how he loves them. I want them to know that their identity is solely wrapped up in him and they don't have to seek it anywhere else. Jesus has got you. See, I want to teach them all these things because the reality that I'm facing is that sooner or later, they're going to have to leave my house and they're going to be out in the world by themselves. And see, when they get out into that world, I want them to know their roots, but not only know their roots, live by those roots. So I want to teach them. You see, and that's what Paul is doing right here in this book. He's telling the people of Ephesus, he's saying, look, 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 y'all, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done for us. This is how he's loved us. This is his grace. Now look, I'm about to die. I'm writing you this letter while I'm sitting here in change, which means that I'm not going to be with you anymore. And because I'm not going to be with you anymore, I want to give it to you very simple and plain. This is who he is so that you can live this life without me. He says, I want you to be able to take this gospel out. And hear me, family, my desire here at Renewal is the same desire I have for my kids, is that every person that steps inside of this church is that you would experience and be rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ and all he's done for you on your behalf so that as you go out those doors, neighborhoods, cities, communities, jobs, every place that you step foot in would change. Not not because you're purely saved. Or because you know your roots. Because knowing something, it, it, that's one thing. That's not enough, though. It's not enough to just know something. But hear me, the world will change when you not only know something, but you also live it out. You put your feet to the pavement. That's when we'll see things change. It's when we live out those roots everywhere and every day of our lives. So let me end with the same question that I asked you in the beginning. Because here's the truth. We're all rooted in something or someone. And that something or someone dictates how we do everything in our lives. The question we must answer is, are we rooted in Jesus or something or someone else? Who are you rooted in? That's what I want you to ponder as we walk through this series. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.